He is uh, WGN Radio's I Know Everything About Cars, Tom Appel. Here's why. Publisher, publisher of Consumer Guide, host of Car Stuff, and a long time, long time, 83 years, I think, guest of Steve and Johnny. <laughs> Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Happy New Year. <laughs> All right. So that's where I'll start. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Why is it the right thing to say Happy New Year in February at the car show? It, it, it's this reason, totally inside baseball, but most of us Chicago area journalists have not seen other journalists until Chicago. So, so we see a bunch of people we haven't seen pretty much since late the previous year. So I'm saying it's okay to say Happy New Year through the auto show. So if you go to the Chicago Auto Show, and we'll tell you when that is in a moment, uh, that's at McCormick Place like it's been for a very long time. It's been back now for a while. It's February 11th through 20th. I might as well tell you now. Uh, It is the cool thing to do. You are considered really an insider. If you walk up to a stranger, or if you see Tom, and say, Happy New Year! Huh? Yes. Yes, do that. Okay, he says do that. Uh, but you also want to look at cars. And I'm yes. thinking that, you know, as I, I just came back from California and uh, crossing the street, just looking back and forth, I saw car after car after car after car without a grill in front, which I guess means they are all electric cars. It's It's a big thing out there. It's always been a bigger thing out there than maybe in Chicago, but... It seems to be sweeping the country. Am I right about that? Or is that just, it could be a mistaken impression. I don't know. No, you're completely right. Last year closed with about 6% of all new cars sold in the U.S. being electric, 10% in California, California always leading in terms of green technology and just general trendiness. Uh, <laughs> yes. but, but it looks like it's going to be much higher this year. We might see the overall uh, overall market penetration of EVs for the nation rise to something like 10%. All right, so I need, uh, because I'm a, you know this, I know nothing about cars, so EV meaning (laughs) what? EV is an electric vehicle. So we're we're talking about specifically vehicles that are powered exclusively by electricity that you need to plug in. That is not to be confused, and sometimes these numbers are confused, with plug-in hybrid vehicles, which are gasoline-powered hybrid vehicles that you can plug in for additional range. We're talking about EVs, which is pure electric vehicles, when we're talking about these uh, percentages. Okay, so here's the question. I've, I've had this discussion with people that I know, uh, but not, not the man who knows it all, Tom. So uh, here's the question, Tom. If I get an uh-huh. electric vehicle, say, today, am I... Because they're expensive, depending on which one you get, but they're expensive. Yeah. Uh, am I actually saving money on the gasoline? Because it's not like it costs nothing to plug it in, use the electric, and some may guess that electric cost is going to go up significantly, still maybe cheaper than gasoline, but you're paying more for the car in the first place. Now, I'm not knocking the fact that you're being green, but what I'm asking is, is it? and I guess there's some tax rebate, I'm not sure if that still exists, is it really cheaper? Uh, the short answer is yes, but the answer, the true expanded answer is very complicated. Um, right now you're paying more for electric vehicles on average, but that's because most of the electric vehicles out there are premium vehicles. They tend to be from luxury makers. Starting right about now, you're going to see a lot more affordable EVs hit the market. Chevrolet has the $30,000 Equinox EV coming online soon. 
Uh, the Chevrolet Bolt, for example, can be had for under $30,000. The tax rebate situation is really confusing right now. That was revised last year, and it's still in flux because a lot of foreign makers are angered by the fact that foreign vehicles, vehicles built offshore, I should say, are not included in the current program. So we don't know where that's at and whether everything applies for that. But as for charging, and that's a great question, it is much, much, much charger, cheaper to fuel your vehicle if it's electric. If you're charging at home, if you have a charger in your garage, a level two charger, we call it, you're paying 10 to 15% what you would pay for gasoline to drive the same difference. That number changes if you use public charging, uh, which is much more expensive. Well, but it is expensive to install that. I don't know that it's expensive. You'll tell me. Is it expensive to install a charger in your home? And what if you live, as so many people in Chicago do in the city itself, in a condominium or high-rise apartment, whatever, and there is no available charger, and then you go to the jewel store, and yeah, there's one there, but somebody's using that, and you really need the charge. I mean, is it still that Chicago lags behind, and it may not be practical yet to do in Chicago, or that's not the case? That is a super great question, and the answer is sort of complicated. In Chicago, which doesn't, Chicago trails perhaps California in terms of EV installation, but not a lot of other markets. The fact is, if you can't arrange for home charging, you may want to wait unless you're very adventurous, because then you're going to rely on public charging, which is more expensive and not as convenient. You have to find it. You have to go there. You have to wait. And as you noted, there is the chance that it's either not working or someone's using it. Now, most apps make that information available, but we've learned that that stuff's not very reliable yet. So uh, unless you really want to be an early adopter uh, and unless you can put a charging station at home, I might wait. Now, is there really an EV Mustang? Sort of, yeah. It's called the Mustang Mach-E, and they use the name Mustang, but it's really a small mid-sized crossover. Uh, And they generated a lot of excitement by calling it Mustang. So there was all sorts of controversy, like, can there possibly be an electric Mustang, and is that true to the car's nature? But but in fact, the Mustang uh, Mach-E is actually a crossover. It's a very nice vehicle, very quick. Uh, and hard to get, unfortunately. <laughs> There's big demand for that vehicle, and Ford has not kept up with that demand. So what about the drive-your-own-cars? Are we? Uh, is this actually going to be advancing year after year after year that these cars can do more and more and more, or is this just something that is kind of hype? It's kind of hype. that People are genuinely working on the technology, and we'd love to see it happen, and I think the industry is all about going that direction, but we're learning that it's very hard to do. And a joint venture between Volkswagen and Ford, it was called Argo AI, just dissolved. That was a joint venture to develop autonomous vehicles. And this is how far we are. There are five stages of EV, one being basically cruise control and five being there's no steering wheel in your car. Mercedes has just uh, registered a vehicle that is the first level three car level three autonomous vehicle in the U.S., which means that that vehicle allows you to take your hands off the wheel and not pay attention when you're on the highway on certain mapped routes. So that's as far as we've gotten. Um, But it doesn't work around town. It doesn't help you in low-speed situations. So it's very limited, and I think we're very, very far away from the, the day when you and I can go to the store and just buy a car without a steering wheel. So do you think that the Jetsons are just a pipe dream? (laughs) <laughs> I do. I do. So many makers are working up some sort of flying vehicle, some sort of uh, 
some sort of drone vehicle, but that, that's never going to work in the U.S. with our congestion. But I did hear that to ease that congestion, there's going to be, it's going to be like Uber or Lyft, and, and it arrives, and there's going to be three or five or however many other passengers. Uh, so it does hold maybe six people or some, and the routes are all done by a computer, uh, and it figures out where you want to go, and it's like a bus for not as many people that's automatic. Uh, is this something that I, I read about it, but it doesn't mean that what I read makes any sense, does it? No, there are two companies that sort of lead right now, and that's Cruise, which is a division of General Motor, and Waymo, which is a division of Google. And both of them are pretty far along in advanced uh, autonomous vehicle testing. And they're testing vehicles, I think, mostly in San Francisco and in Austin, Texas. And they have some vehicles that work on programmed routes. And one of the nice things about an autonomous vehicle, when and if it works, is that it doesn't take play, it doesn't participate in the psychology of a traffic jam. It, 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 it will keep the same distances, it'll keep the same speeds, and if every vehicle is autonomous, we really won't have traffic jams. But unfortunately, we're really far away from that right now. Uh, so here's a, a great text, uh, 312-981-7200, if you want to join in to call or text. In Illinois, isn't the electricity delivered by coal-fired plants? So now we are burning more coal to change these EVs. Where's the green in that? And I've heard that as well. Yeah, it's a great question. I thought Illinois was mostly nuke um, and natural gas, but I, I don't know that there's coal in Illinois. But there are definitely states where they deliver electricity that is sourced from coal. And even in those situations, uh, though not, it's not nearly as beneficial as, say, someplace where the power is generated from, from nuclear sources, uh, coal-fired coal electricity is still cleaner for an EV than would be running gasoline. It's closer. It's marginal. Uh, but then you're not running into a situation where the EV is less clean. All right. Well, we have a question here about Teslas. I'll get to that. And more of Tom Appel from Consumer Guide, host of Car Stuff Podcast. And one of the questions is, how do we find this guy's pod- podcast? We'll, we'll answer that question. That's an easy one, I think. Tom, we'll do that when we come back on WGN. Right. Yeah, right. He says he knows. All right. Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Tom Appel, publisher, Consumer Guide, host of the Car Stuff podcast here on WGN. Chicago Auto Show is just around the corner at McCormick Place. That's been there for, like, ever, Tom, hasn't it? The Chicago... I'm putting you on the spot by saying how many years, but it's been at least well over a decade, hasn't it? Uh, I don't know how long it's been. I I always forget this because it used to be at the Coliseum for a long time and different places before that. But it's been around since 1901. There was a brief break during the war. Uh, But I think we're at the 119th edition of the auto show, something like that. It's been a bunch. At the Coliseum? Wasn't that the Rome Chariot show that was at the Coliseum? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Everything was open air then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there are seven indoor tracks. What are those about? And uh, should you look both ways before crossing? You should. Generally, there's security there to prevent people from getting hurt. But, yeah, the tracks are are completely entertaining. Uh, Camp Jeep, there's a Ford Bronco one. There is a, uh, I think it's called the Ram Experience. Uh, But basically, you get on the track, and you ride along with a professional driver, and you do some crazy, crazy things. Lots of elevation, lots of dips, uh, and great noises as a as the trucks grunt their way up through these things. It's a lot of fun. I think they're the, the most popular things at the show. Yeah, it sounds fun. Uh, Tesla, 
question here from 630 from a listener asking about why there is a why is there a dip in Tesla sales uh, and should I get a Tesla? The, that's two great questions. The first one, the dip in Tesla sales is probably because Tesla generally likes to cram things out the door right at the end of the quarter so they can boost their numbers. So Tesla numbers are always just a, a grain of salt on any Tesla reported number on sales or income because they do things to try to, uh, try to stack those numbers. But should you buy a Tesla, if you want to buy an electric vehicle, if you can take care of an electric vehicle, there's no reason not to buy a Tesla. They're very competent. The range is very good. Um, and, and generally, Tesla has taken care of customers. There's lots of examples of people being too far away from a service center or some quality control issues. Tesla seems to be working through that. And you'll find that most of the audience is extremely loyal and happy with their product. So right now, I'm walking into an auto dealer. I want to buy, uh, at, uh, you'll be impressed, I learned, an EV. And, and I say, <laughs> I want that EV, whatever that is. There's no negotiating, is there? Depends on the vehicle. Uh, for the most part, no. Most oh, EVs uh, oh. are in pretty strong demand. How about cars in general? I mean, last time you and I talked, there was no negotiating, period. I mean, you'd walk in and you're lucky that you, you were able to get it for list price. The price may go up by the time you sit down to sign the piece of paper. Uh, it wasn't like in the old days where I'll get that, I'll get that, and I'll get that included. Throw that in. No problem. Uh, can we now negotiate it? Is, is it a little more consumer-friendly out there? It is more consumer-friendly. Last time you and I talked, there was something like a six hundred or 800,000-unit supply of vehicles on the ground. That number at any given time should be closer to 3 million. That's just national inventory of new vehicles waiting for sale. And we're somewhere around 2 million now, so it's tight. And you may not be able to find the vehicle you want with the exact trim or the exact color, but the supply is better. There is negotiating. Way back when we talked last, uh, 90% of vehicles were selling for list price or more, and that has fallen dramatically since then. Is it a good time to sell your car and then buy a new one? I'm told that it is a particularly good time to do that, but I don't at all honestly understand why. There is very strong demand for cars between one and three years old because the, the supply chain shortage hurt those. So vehicles that were leased, for example, we're at a point right now where cars coming off lease would be feeding the used car market. But there were so few cars sold in the last couple of years that used car prices are likely going to rise in the first quarter of next year or this year. Uh, so it is a good time to sell your car, especially if it's relatively new and if it's something popular like a midsize or compact crossover. So what's the coolest thing... It's just us, just you and me talking at the auto show <laughs> that people might find fun or as a surprise or really neat. Well, what's going to be there, and I'm glad to find out very recently that it's going to be there, is something called the Corvette E-Ray. And this is the first ever, quote-unquote, electrified Corvette. And that means that this Corvette has a hybrid system where there is an electric motor driving the front wheel. So in addition to the gas engine, which was already pretty potent, you get an additional 60, 160 horsepower from the front wheels. And the car they're showing this in is a beautiful silver car with blue, uh, blue stripes. It's a great livery. Do we care anymore, Tom? Here's what, I, what I'm asking. It used to be growing up as a kid, and I'm not into cars, as you know, and as I've pointed out. But growing up as a kid, I was. And I thought it was so cool. And I'd get, I would go into dealers. I don't know that I, I can believe I can remember this, but I do. I would go into dealers with my dad and just pick up 
all the brochures and take them home. I had no interest yeah. in buying a car because I was eight years old and my dad wasn't interested really in buying a car. So I'd have the Buick and the Pontiacs and the Fords and all of these <laughs> and look at all the pictures because they were so cool to look at. Do we as adults care anymore? Is that car culture kind of disappearing a bit? I hate to say this, but I feel it is. Yeah, I, I, my daughter and her generation don't seem very interested in cars. I've got a buddy who has a child my daughter's age in their early 20s. The kid needs a car, and he's super not interested in shopping for one. There, it seems like general enthusiasm for, for, for auto ownership is down largely because it got expensive, I think. Um, and it, it, it's harder to appreciate the sportiness of a vehicle now than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think it's it's the necessary evil component of car ownership is is I think the overwhelming attitude. So if you're really rich and can afford a Lamborghini or whatever it might be, or you want something that, as you described, has lots of horsepower, do they call it that still? Has and and you, and and you go really fast, you know. But above and beyond that, for most people in America now, is it just my, I I need a car. And I almost don't care what I get. Good good gas mileage would be good. Something that holds up would be good. Something maybe with four doors so grandma can get in. I mean, we're talking about the practicality issues more than the style. I think we are. And you raise a really interesting point. If we think back to like 1975, one of the best-selling cars in America was the Chevy Monte Carlo, which was a big two-door. But people bought that. And if you had to squeeze past the driver to get into the back seat, I guess that was okay then. But you mentioned these luxury brands. But if you think about Rolls-Royce and Bentley uh, and Maserati and Alfa Romeo and and Ferrari now, uh, well, Ferrari hasn't sold it yet, but the best-selling vehicle in these, these lineups is a crossover. So there is definitely this move away from performance sedans and performance coupes and towards something more practical, even if it has the cool name on it. Even if it's uh, – and gas mileage, I suppose, has something to do with it too, although I, I don't – listen, if tell me how much a Lamborghini might be. Or how much Alfa, a Lamborghini costs? Or an Alfa, Alfa Romeo. 400000 or... $400, what? Huh? $400,000. Yeah. All right, so four hundred. So $400,000, I'm thinking if you could afford that, you don't much care about anything else anyway, I suppose. Probably not. No, yeah. but it's it's still neat to look at these cars, <laughs> and they'll be there at the Chicago Auto Show February 11th through the 20th. One of our text questions is, well, where do I read this guy's blog? He sounds so smart. Well, you can hear him all the time on WGN Radio with Steve and Johnny. And isn't it great? I think it's one of the best things that ever has happened on the planet, that Steve and Johnny are back regularly on WGN. Yeah, yeah. And I know you are a regular on their program, but above and beyond that, yeah, above and beyond that, where's your podcast? How do people find you? Yeah, the Car Stuff podcast can be downloaded anywhere. So that's available new every uh, every Tuesday morning, new new episode. Otherwise, just go to consumerguide.com. Easy enough. Tom Appel. Publisher of Consumer Guide, thank you very much. Always fun to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Steve.